You are listening to The Heart of Christ, a year-long podcast of Wheatland Presbyterian Church. Throughout 2022, we will spend time reflecting on Dane Ortland's book, Gentle and Lowly, so we can come to know not only what Jesus has done, but who he is. What is his deepest heart for his people, people who are weary, stumbling, sinners, and sufferers? So we invite you to grab your Bibles, prepare your hearts, and come along with us as we find rest in the gentle and lowly heart of Christ. Welcome to episode three of The Heart of Christ. My name is Keith Winder, one of the pastors at Wheatland. And today I'm joined by Samuel Spatola. Samuel's the director of student ministries and outreach outreach here at Wheatland. He and his wife, Amber, have three children, Dylan, Claire, and Noah. And Samuel and I will be reflecting on chapter three of Gentle and Lowly, which is titled The Happiness of Christ. And so Samuel, the question I'm asking everyone I hope to ask everyone who joins me. So Dane Orland in this book says that the only time that Jesus describes his heart is by saying that the heart of Christ is gentle and lowly, or Jesus is gentle and lowly in heart. So before you read this book, uh, before you bought 150 free copies for our (laughs) congregation uh, of this book and then read the book, coming into this, how would you have described, if someone said, what's the heart of Christ look like? How would you have described it? Yeah, if I'm honest, I don't think I ever thought of Jesus' heart or what that might be like. Um, I've definitely thought of him as compassionate. Uh, I read in the Gospels that he has time for people, like he stops and makes time for people. He prioritizes relationships and individuals. Um, we're not just a mass, but he, he cares about specific people. Um, I've thought of him as loving and, and again, compassionate, but... Uh, thinking about what his core might be like or what he's like at his deep, at deepest levels or at, at, his, at a heart level, um, yeah, it never occurred to me to think of it in those lines. And so th- this book has been good for that because it, it's shifting my own thinking. And I think in some ways that humanizes Jesus even more to me. I, I, he, he is a person and he would have um, deep desires and things that bring him great joy and, and pleasure, um, just like you and I. So... Yeah, to be perfectly honest, it's, it's something of a new way of thinking about Jesus uh, for me. Yeah, it's interesting because I, if I think of Jesus as fully God and fully man, my tendency is to lean towards God uh, and, and forget that, oh, oh yeah, he was a human. Like, so, right, so he would right. have, he has a heart. Like me, well, not like mine, I guess, in many ways. But like, but he has a heart. Like he is a human. There's something. Yeah, there's this deep, central things about him, which of course is, since he's 100% God and man, it's not like it's not impacted by his deity. But I tend to forget or uh, ignore. Might be wrong, but I tend to forget that Jesus. Oh, he, he's human, um, and maybe other people are the other way. They set, focus so much on Jesus and his humanity, and sometimes you forget, like, oh, like he's, he's God in flesh. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's right. And I think I, I probably think about the actions and the things that Jesus does for me and, and, to, to, and on my account or to my credit. But again, the, the idea that his, at his core or that, he, that his heart 
would matter and that that factors in how he loves and and comforts and takes care of me is is something i mean something if i'd be honest pretty new uh to to consider in those terms yeah so this chapter specifically focused on this joy or uh he kind of does joy and happiness back and forth i think so this idea of what makes jesus happy and when i think about what makes me happy it's almost always centered on me rather than others like what am i getting out of something what am i receiving rather than how am i uh, helping others flourish um, but that's not as ortland points out that's not what we find in jesus hebrews 12 2 he centers this chapter in a sense around this state this verse that jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of god so Orland pushes this idea that there's, there's this joy sort of in front of Jesus motivating him to endure the cross for us. And it doesn't necessarily come from whether you and I obey Jesus. It's not like, oh good, they, Samuel obeyed me and now I feel better. And then he pushes off this idea from Thomas Goodwin when Thomas Goodwin writes this, Christ's own joy, his comfort, happiness, and glory are increased and enlarged by showing his grace and mercy and pardoning, relieving, and comforting his members here on earth. And so that's what the idea of this chapter, as you know, is focused around. So what do you think this says about the heart of Christ, that his, his joy is increased and enlarged by showing grace and mercy? And how does that shatter or push back on our assumptions about what might bring joy to Christ? Yeah. I, I, again, I think for most of my life, I, I certainly thought of that things can and do bring joy to Jesus and that his um, that, that that's something he would feel but I think I've always tethered that to my obedience and like right actions would cause him to feel those things yeah. and, and, and and please him and and I still absolutely think that's true at the same time I think this book is really helpful in this regard or maybe most helpful in this regard um, he also finds joy and and pleasure and 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 um uh delights in also showing us um grace and mercy and forgiveness towards broken people and so there, there's both are true like my obedience and my right actions give bring joy um, but it also in my sin and in my brokenness uh, bringing that before him and coming to him and him giving me the comfort and uh, showing me mercy that too brings him joy and i I've literally never thought of it in, in, in those terms. I, I think I only thought about my obedience and right actions would do that. Yeah, so, so in my own heart and mind, like this this is pretty, um, it's, it's very much a paradigm shift in, in thinking about how uh, Jesus might experience joy and what brings him pleasure and, and delight. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Like, in one sense, our obedience, like, yes, our obedience increases the joy of Christ, maybe it increases, but our, like our Jesus finds joy in our obedience. But I always think of obedience in this when I get things right. <laughs> like, oh, when yeah, I follow yeah. the law, or when I when I right. do what I'm supposed to do. But but in here we read much more about oh yes that would bring joy to Christ, but it also brings joy to Christ. Our obedience also looks like recognizing failure and recognizing sin, and so like in our confession in coming to Christ for forgiveness and rest, 
because if that's come to me and find rest. So when we do that, when we confess our sin and when we repent, that is another way that we obey and bring joy to Christ. And I hadn't thought of it in that way. I always think of obedience as getting it right. But actually, in the midst of not getting it wrong, <laughs> confession and repentance is then, in the midst of sin and failure, it's getting it right, quote-unquote, again. Yeah, uh, that, yeah. That is, yeah, confession, confessing failure is obedience, and that brings joy. I'd never thought of it that way. One of the things that the illustration, I think in a sense the whole chapter rides, maybe rides through or builds off this illustration that Dane Ortland uses, which I, think, I, I found it really uh, helpful and interesting. So he uses this image of a doctor who's arrived on the scene of this community that's struggling with a contagious disease. And the doctor has the antibiotics, in a sense, needed to heal everyone. Mm-hmm. But at first, many people refuse the treatment, but then a group of people come forward to receive the treatment. And, and he uses this to show like that would bring the doctor this great joy. Like that, that's why the doctor was there in the first place. That, his heart is for this, this community and to bring healing to this community, and he has what they need. So then Orland argues at this point, this points us to the joy of Christ. Because when we come to Christ for mercy and love and forgiveness, like this is his deepest wish. And so it brings us joy. So how do you think this reality uh, shapes or maybe changes the way that we think, not just about the heart of Christ, but the way that we think about our confessing of our sin or going to Jesus with our pain? Yeah, and our yeah. Um, you're old enough because we're basically the same age to remember this, but... Uh, years ago, uh, Cisco and or Cisco and Ebert used to um, review movies, uh-huh. and um, if the movie, if if they loved the movie, they would say, um, "Run, don't walk to see this movie." Like that was like their yeah, yeah, tagline, yeah. like "Run, don't walk to see Home Alone" or whatever movie. Yeah, I, I, I think maybe walk to see Home Alone. <laughs> maybe walk, walk to see. Um, but yeah, I, I think that my lag time uh, after having sinned, and that, that lag time that my my experience before between. Sinning and then feeling remorse and, and wanting to come to Christ and, and to seek pardon and forgiveness, I think that lag time is actually kind of shortened because uh, th- this helps remove some of the, the shame that I think a lot of us feel when we sin, especially when we keep doing the same sorts of sins and having to keep coming back to Christ and asking forgiveness for very similar things or the same exact thing. Um, yeah, so I think just that, that, that space and that, and that, 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 uh, that time of, of shame and uh, disappointment in yourself and, and um, just the embarrassment that you feel, I think it shortens it. Like, it, it, I'm, I'm not, there's no sense in which I'm putting Christ out or I'm inconveniencing him or having had to, you know, creating more work for him. Uh, as, as you mentioned and, and, and throughout this chapter, like, this is what Christ loves to do. Like, he, yeah. this, he came for this, um, this specific purpose or reason. And so, uh, yeah, so, so me coming, it, it, again, it doesn't create an inconvenience for him in any way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember talking, I think the last time when I talked with Leslie Bustard about compassion, it was a similar idea that, like, there's no, if God describes himself in Exodus 34, and the first thing he says is he's a God of compassion and mercy. Like, it's interesting how that's, so in no way is God like, oh, like I guess I'll show compassion. And here, like, in no way is Jesus, well, I guess since you're coming and confessing, I'll show mercy and grace. Like, yeah. like no, he's, yeah. 
he's like the doctor out there, like, please, like, it's right, almost right. like Matthew 11, like, it's almost like there's a please in front, like, please, like, please come to me yeah, when you're weary yeah, and heavy, like, yeah. like, please, like, I'm pleading with you, and not, not pleading in a sense of he's, oh, I'm, like, I'm going to be so sad if you don't come, but like, like, this is what I long to do. Right. Like yeah. you said at the beginning, like, this yeah. is the center of who I am. Yeah. Like, for me to be able to offer this grace and mercy, like, if, this brings me joy because this is at the center of who I am. This is right. why I'm here. I'm yeah. here to bring. Grace. And I think it's so bound up with his, with Christ's mission, too. Like, he, again, I mean, we're seeing a lot of the same stuff, I guess, maybe in different ways, but his, his mission in coming to earth and, and taking on a human body was to to rescue us was to save us mm-hmm. and so when he gets to do what he came to do like i, I, I yeah. again i think he feels joy and delight um in doing that and so there's no sense in which this is a chore or i'm coming to him yeah. and again inconveniencing like right. i actually have something better to be doing yeah. and now i gotta pause <laughs> yeah. get to yeah. you hear your confession forgive you and then you know move on rather i mean he's he's waiting he's attending in some ways um uh to do just that mm-hmm. and so yeah, I, I think it reshapes, and again, that 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 that, sp- that lag time that I think that a lot of us struggle with. I was talking with some young adults about this very chapter uh, just recently, and that came up over and over again. The idea of um, the shame that we feel and that response time uh, is shortened because it, we're not. This again reshapes how we think. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I think, like, I I love the illustration of the doctor. Um, as I was reading it, I wanted to take it like a little bit further, or maybe add a layer because it's great. But so, so let me, I'll add to the illustration because this is how I've wrestled with it. So I, yeah. I'm asking myself, well, what if what if there's this main water source or something like that in the village, and that is actually what's making them sick? That that there's something like it's it's the water they're drinking or something like that. So that so they keep going back to it. It keeps making them sick. Um, and maybe in this action, I guess there's a balance between. Uh, like they're surrounded by this thing that's making them sick. So like what else are they gonna do? But also like they recognize like this is this is contaminated, but I keep drinking it anyway. And and I think about like often this is how I feel about my sin. Like I, I know it's hurting me. Yeah. <laughs> but I keep drinking it and it keeps making me sick. And then I keep going back to, to Jesus. And I often think that's that's often why I think that God is getting tired of me in a sense. Um, but like, uh, like Keith, you're back again? Like, why, why, aren't you done with this? But Orland keeps challenging this faulty view in a sense, saying that like sinners are, that sinners drawing from the atoning work of Christ is what brings him joy. It's like Orland keeps beating me over the head. Mm-hmm. Like, no, never think that no matter how time you have to come back for forgiveness, like Christ continues to want you to do that. So like, how do you think that should change us in a sense, like this truth that we keep going back to God for the same failures, but he keeps yeah. finding joy and offering forgiveness. Yeah, I, I think two things come to mind. I think the first is that um, perhaps we have can, can sort of over-realize, I think, con- conceptions or con- conceptions of ourselves. Um, at the end of the day, even the most mature of believers, even the most seasoned Christians, are children. Like we, we, and yeah, and, yeah. and 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 so we are. Yeah, I, I mean, my kids do the same things I ask them not to do over and over again. And now there, there's there's there is space for obedience, and and I'm hoping that they will do that less, do the things I tell them not to do less often, and that they would mature. 
but there is a real real sense that all believers on this side of eternity are children and and yeah. that does I'm not going to say it's like our role to do that because I think ultimately we don't want to sin, but that that is part of the deal. And so again, I don't I don't think it inconveniences or puts Jesus out to um, to issue pardon, to issue comfort and mercy uh, to us. And so yeah, I, I I think I think that's one thing to keep in mind. And then secondly. I, this idea that we, we keep having to come back, I think, is part of what it means to be in a broken world. We were talking about this just, I think, yeah. yesterday a bit. Yeah, yeah. That th- this is, um, nothing is as it should be. So that, that ourselves, but also our environments and everything that we live around um, doesn't really favor obedience or us, <laughs> us going in that direction. Like, yeah. we have a lot stacked against us. And so I yeah. think um, if Christ is, in fact, as compassionate as we're reading in this text, and I think the New Testament would lead us to believe that. Um, I, 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 my hunch is that this is less burdensome or less of an issue for Jesus than it is for us. And maybe we mm-hmm. make more yeah, of it than yeah. he actually does. Again, yeah. not not trying to say that sin or holiness uh, is not important and that sin is not important. It, it is consequential, it is important, but um, yeah, yeah, that, I think those yeah, two things like are we, helpful in my mind. We've, we've created this false reluctance on Jesus. Like, like we've, we've yeah. for some reason, created that because of our, like, like you've mentioned, because of our guilt and shame, we've created this idea that God is reluctant mm-hmm. to to have us come to him when we're broken and weary. Even though, where are we getting that? Like, we're, not, we're not getting that from the scriptures. Yeah. There's, there's, no, there's no sense in which Jesus ever turns away a repentant sinner. Mm-hmm. But for some reason... We keep thinking that's going to be the case. They're like, yeah. oh, maybe, oh, maybe this will be the time when Jesus says, nah, like I'm done now. Or, or it's the next time. Or, or this will be the right. time. And there's never any sense in the scriptures that, like, I, don't, I can't think of an example yeah. of somebody no, I, coming and repenting their sin and Jesus saying, sorry, yeah. man. It's yeah, I, I think, I mean, where does it come from? Yes, I, I mean, I think that's how we, that's how we operate. That's how we think. Like, at the end of the day, we're told not to by Jesus explicitly, but we, we, you know, forgiveness for a lot, a lot of times for us is a matter of calculation. Like, you know, we'll let people yeah. mm-hmm. sin against us so many times and then, you know, then we, we draw a line or we, we react. And so I think it, it's, it's how humans yeah. deal with each other. Even people who have been uh, made new and who are in Christ, we still will struggle with that. Um, and so, again, forgiveness for us becomes a matter of calculation. How many times am I willing to, to put that? And I think Jesus invites us to think completely different about that. And even kind of sets up this absurd number of times that we are to forgive our yeah. brother. And the yeah. point being is that it, it is um, without limit. And the, the, the idea of um, having a limit um, is actually wrong-headed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I know we were wrestling with some of these ideas with Luke uh, yesterday. And and we were talking about, like you've mentioned, that like Jesus is not only doing this in us, but he's doing this in the world all around mm-hmm. us. That like, not only is does it bring joy to Jesus to to make us new, but it also is bringing joy to Jesus to make all things new. And and when we see that, like, it, it makes me think about the doctor illustration in this community that's hurting and sick and whatever's making them sick. Like Jesus didn't. Jesus is not just the doctor who says, oh, I'm going to heal you of this. Oh, then you're going to get sick again, and I'm going to fix this. You're going to get sick again. 
but he's actually defeating sin and evil and everything that yeah, call, yeah. Yeah, everything that draws us and lures us in he's renewing our hearts he's defeating satan and sin and death so that sometime in the future when jesus returns like we won't have to <laughs> this won't be necessary anymore which is such a great joy that like this this is not going to be necessary anymore for us to come to jesus because we're broken and hurting and we desperately need rest. We'll have this union with Christ and this perfect fellowship. We're now, yeah, we, we are finding joy together in the way that we we're always meant to find joy together. Yeah. Yeah, and again, I think it's helpful to, to think of us, even the most seasoned and mature Christians, as children. And, and mm-hmm. just to kind of tease that analogy out a little further, uh, our God is, our, is, is, a, is a parent that will and, and, and desires to extend um, love and tenderness and compassion towards us. And unlike our earthly parents, like he is a perfect parent. So he, he can do this, I, I think, perfectly and, and love and parent us and, and again, be tender towards us um, really without limits. Or it's not, it's not, you won't hit a line that he has had enough and now he's going to come down really hard on you. That, that, yeah. I don't think that's quite how he works mm-hmm. so again like i think god's initiative towards us is always to to love and to take care of us um like a good parent ought to like a good parent would and should do yeah um but again all our examples are earthly and and bound mm-hmm. up in how the limits of our own ability to forgive and to be compassionate towards others even our own children um and i think in the case of jesus that that the same things are not at play or, or that's not yeah. quite how he and that's works. why it's so hard for us to grasp this, because we right. all we all have a, a limit, and it's yeah. not like we yeah. can actually can point to it. But we all, so as parents or friends or, or coworkers or whatever, we all have we all have some. We only have a particular capacity. Yeah, yeah. To handle yeah. being being uh, whether it's someone disobeying or whatever it is, like we can offer forgiveness at a certain point, but it, and at some point it's like I just. Like, you know, it's overwhelming for us yeah, and it's too yeah. much. And so that's our only sort of measure mm-hmm. for what, how forgiveness works. Right, our imagination. It's limited yeah, yeah, by... Yeah, the, imagination. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good way to say it. Like, we yeah. don't have any imagination for anything else. I mean, the scriptures keep giving it to us, mm-hmm. but we struggle in our knowledge and understanding of that. And the Spirit is growing that knowledge and understanding. But still, like we, in a sense, the Spirit is giving us more and more of an imagination that this... What it talked about in this chapter is actually possible. That yeah, God actually yeah. can continue to find joy over and over again in offering forgiveness because it's part of His work of making of making all things new. Yeah, and I think if you take that that this example even further, like um, how you know how if I had a bad day at work and I come home, like my fuse is shorter. Mm-hmm. If, if on a trip, if I'm really tired, we've been in traffic for hours, like my response time to to my or what I can put up with my kids. Um, arguing with each other or being disobedient, where it might be, like is it, shortened. Um, there's all these factors in our own lives that 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 can cause us to have less patience and less compassion and tenderness towards people. I don't think that's at work with Jesus, which yeah. is unlike you know anything that you and I mm-hmm. experience. So again, I think our imaginations can be expanded yeah. in that direction too. He's not. We never come to him in in. in and he's tired or worn out. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think that's that's yeah. remarkable. That's yeah, whole. That's why it's lovely to think like just the idea of God abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, like mm-hmm. that, that, like He is abounding in it. It's like so far beyond anything that we can imagine. So, 
So this, there's one, um, a few sentences in the book that I really love, and I don't have a question. You can comment on it, okay. or you can just say, amen, and we'll be done. But uh, so I love this line, or a few lines from the book. It says, when we hold back, lurking in the shadows, fearful and failing, we miss not only out, let me try again. When we hold back, lurking in the shadows, fearful and failing, we miss out not only on our own increased comfort, but on Christ's increased comfort. He lives for this. This is what he loves to do. Our joy and his joy and ours rise and fall together. And I think that's just a lovely call for us. Like it's an invitation to run into the arms of Christ because he loves, he loves to comfort us. Like this is his joy. This is his love. This is what he came to do. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah. I'll, I'll, amen. I love yeah. it. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Samuel, for, for joining us. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful that as I talk with others here in our congregation, talked with Luke and Leslie Bustard and you, and coming up soon, I'll talk to Aaron Quillen and Kristen Zimmerman. Like, it's my hope that as we reflect on this, not necessarily providing all the answers that all the questions that anybody might have, but as we reflect on how this is shaping our hearts and challenging us to to see the heart of Christ in a different way than we did before. That hopefully as people listen, it encourages them to do to do the same to do the same thing. So this has been fun. I would encourage uh, everybody to join us this Sunday night at 6:30 is our first monthly gathering, our, our monthly evening services, and we'll be singing together praying together, and also there'll be a time for people to share testimonies, reflecting on the first couple chapters of this book. So I encourage everyone to come to that if they're able. That's this Sunday, February 6th at 6.30. So thanks, Samuel. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to The Heart of Christ, a podcast of Wheatland Presbyterian Church. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit wheatlandpca.org.